0: we commence today's show talking politics with my colleague, Dr. Niko Delacorte, the Chief National Political Affairs Analyst for KBLA Talk 1580 in L.A., where he also hosts a daily program called A More Perfect Union. Dr. Corte, how are you today, sir?
1: I'm well. How are you, Tavon?
0: Man, if I complained I'd be an ingrate, I am doing well and delighted, as always, uh, to be in conversation with you. So I guess the, the, the place to start, a lot of politics to talk about, but the place to start would be this, um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right word. Uh, this uh, this uh, debate uh, that happened last night in in Miami. There are a couple of clips I want to play uh, in case you missed it or didn't have the stomach to watch it. Uh, let me just give you a couple of clips of what you missed last night. Uh, check out this first one.
1: Mr. Ramaswamy, uh, we've talked about this. You campaign on TikTok. How do you get TikTok banned if you use it? Well I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question which was about looking at families in the eye in the last debate she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time so you might want to take care of your family first leave my daughter, out to of your voice. daughter the next generation of Americans are using it and that's actually the point you have her supporters propping her up that's fine here's the truth you're just the easy scum. answer
0: mm, you're just scum um, that's Nikki yeah. Haley calling uh, Vivek Ramaswamy scum, and it it went downhill from there. Um, your thoughts about last night? I'm I'm afraid to ask, but let me ask you anyway. It's news.
1: You know, uh, you know it was uh, it was not the GOP's finest moment among uh, a lot of uh, most recent experiences on the national stage that uh, doesn't seem to be so flattering for the GOP. I mean, right after the debate. Uh, Nikki Haley tweeted, quote, look, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. So the second that you go and you start saying something about my 25-year-old daughter, I'm going to get my up. But it's not even the personal part. There are serious differences I have with him. And so I don't know if it's smart politics to pick a fight with the only woman on the stage, uh, to pick a fight knowing that women... Uh, will have a decisive voice, uh, in a lot of races across the country. And so I don't think, uh, uh, Ramaswamy won himself, uh, any, uh, uh, uh hope of becoming the GOP nominee, uh, offending, uh, women by going after their kids.
0: Yep. Woman or not, if you're one of the front runners, um, you can expect that somebody's going to come after you. And in this instance, um, at least um, those who watch these things tell us, that the two uh, apparent front runners although donald trump is way out front of course he didn't even show up he's still out front uh but uh, ron desantis and nikki haley are, are, are out front uh, otherwise and so if you're in that position of course you're going to get you're going to get dogged by somebody uh, but i take your point about going after her daughter that ought to be off limits but uh, i digress on that for now just getting started with the knee quarterly like corte on tavis smiling seeking the truth the truth the, the truth, truth, the truth. This, this, this is the Tavis, Tavis Smiley, Tavis Smiley show. show. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis, Tavis Smiley. Smiley. All right, and you, One more clip from last night. uh This one uh again, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, talking about Ukraine. Take a listen.
1: Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic.
0: So the reason why that clip is important to me in the quarter is because... Uh, We see the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, um, separating out funding for Israel and funding for Ukraine. Um, Everything that we've seen and read and, and watched about the way he moves suggests he's not a fan of continuing to give Ukraine basically... Uh, a blank check uh, from the U.S. Treasury. Uh, And so here you have um, um, uh, this issue coming up last night on the debate stage about how we're going to deal with Ukraine uh, into the future. How did you read that comment? Because it seems to me to be, uh, obviously, although not coordinated, uh, somewhat in alignment with the way that Mike Johnson, at least, is approaching this issue of Ukraine as speaker.
1: Yeah, it's disturbing. Tavis. It's disturbing, to say the least. Uh, and uh, it's important to point out that the campaign spokesperson, uh, uh, Trisha McLaughlin, she told uh, sources that Ramaswamy had not called Zelensky a Nazi and that his remarks were in reference to an incident in September in Canada when the country's parliament held a celebration of, of the Ukrainian uh, Canadian veteran who later discovered that he had served in a Nazi-aligned military Unit. And so context matters. And I think we're seeing just another example, you know, of Republican candidates saying outlandish things on the debate stage in this case, uh, and then later walking about it back. Right. And, you know, where have we seen that before? I mean, that, mm. and it's straight out of the Donald Trump playbook. Uh, and it's very clear that that's a big part of what is powering Ramaswamy's campaign. He has studied Donald Trump's playbook very well, uh, and is executing against uh, that playbook, dare I say, that playbook 2.0. Um, and, you know, part of it is, Tavis, he's trying to make up for the fact that he doesn't have a lot of foreign policy experience. That's part of the reason why he went after Nikki Haley with, you know, all guns blazing, uh, even, you know, resorting to going after her 25-year-old daughter, is because he really doesn't have much to say. When it comes to some of the foreign policy issues that are in flux right now around the world, he also doesn't have much to say in terms of solves for some of our major domestic challenges as well. And so, you know, he's over there just throwing red meat at people that don't uh, understand uh, that what he's saying is baseless.
0: Yep. But what what do you make? I take your point. What do you make, though, of uh, the new Speaker of the House? separating out that funding for ukraine and israel joe biden as you recall um some weeks ago uh in that speech to the nation uh conjoined these two things he wanted funding for israel he wanted funding for ukraine johnson has separated that out so how do you read that
1: well i i think we shouldn't underestimate the savvy of the speaker i mean think about it there were a lot of democrats that were not enthusiastic about president biden asking for a hundred over a hundred billion dollars to support Israel, Ukraine, humanitarian aid uh, to the to Gaza, uh, and other priorities, mm-hmm. uh, and so we he, so the speaker knows that's not popular with Democrats, um, and he knows it's also not popular with Republicans, and so you know the way that he the way that he uh, developed that package where he said, okay we're going to claw back money from the IRS, which uh, is a move that I think. Uh, bodes well for him in terms of Republican moderates, uh, as well as the MAGA crowd, uh, you know, and a lot of their supporters, right? And so I just think we shouldn't underestimate this speaker. Uh, I, I think, you know, he just got the speaker's gavel. I think he wants to figure out a, a way to keep it. And that means keeping the MAGA crowd happy. It means keeping moderates happy in every chance he gets. It means, um, taking advantage of, Uh, positions that are unpopular, even with moderate Democrats.
0: Yeah. Um, One more question about uh, last night, and then we'll move forward to cover a few other things before I get to Mark Lamont Hill. uh, At the bottom of the hour, talking about uh, Rashida Tlaib and the the drama of her censure yesterday in the House as the only Palestinian American uh, currently serving in the U.S. Congress. Um, Here's my question, uh, point blank and direct. Do these debates matter at all? They're, 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 we've had a number already. There'll be, a, there'll, be there'll be more. Donald Trump uh, famously refusing to show up. Of course, he couldn't show up last night. He's in a he's in a court case. Uh, and there'll be other court cases, to be sure, four or five of them. Um, but as long as he's not on the stage, do these things really matter? Is this much ado about nothing? A- am I wasting my time talking about it? I understand it's new, so we have to talk about it. Um, uh, it, it, it matters uh, on some level. But does it really, as long as Trump ain't in the House?
1: I get that people feel that these debates appear to be a charade.
0: Mm-hmm. They appear
1: to be folks really auditioning to be vice president or auditioning to potentially serve in the cabinet of another Trump term. Um, I think as we've also heard people say that vice presidents don't matter, you know, until they do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and there are a lot of variables that are at play right now in Trump's orbit. You know, there are a number of court cases, uh, that are, that are playing out. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, we don't know, you know, uh, if any one of those, those court cases, you know, may take Donald Trump out of the running. You know, we don't know. And so it's possible, though it's a narrow path, but it's possible that one of these folks, you know, might manage Uh, you know, to wrestle away the nomination from Trump, even though he's polling well. Mm -hmm. And even though it seems unlikely, there's a very narrow path. And I think that's where we see a lot of these folks placing their bets.
0: Yep. Speaking of polling well, um, we are now nearing the end of the week. This news uh, came out at the beginning of the week. I heard a bit of you, a bit of your program the other day talking about this. Uh, But for those who haven't heard your take on it, um, give me your quick read on the poll that came out Monday of this week that everybody's been talking about literally all week long that Trump is beating, one year out, beating Biden in these uh, key five or six battleground states?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, so everybody's talking about this New York Times, Siena poll uh, that has a lot of Democrats feeling very uncomfortable. That poll came out and showed Donald Trump, you know, beyond the margin of error, you know, beating uh, President Biden in key states. Um, A lot of states, you know, have... Uh, you know, very, very densely populated black areas, right? And so, uh, you know, we know that the president's support among black folks isn't as high as it was in 2020. And it's, and it's true for other key groups. Uh, and so there are a lot of folks that are reading into this and saying maybe the president, you know, shouldn't run for reelection. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly saw, uh, Obama's former senior advisor, David Axelrod, say that quiet part out loud, uh, uh, uh earlier this week. Now, uh, juxtapose that against the election results from Tuesday, where Democrats seem to fare pretty well. Uh, when, uh, abortion is on the ballot, it tends to bring out, uh, Democratic voters, it tends to bring out independents, you know, and maybe even some moderate Republicans that say, wait a minute, you know, uh, we support women's right to choose. And so I, you know, I'm hearing from sources here in Washington, you know, that there are folks in the White House that believe that their path to victory in 2024 is Dobbs and democracy. The more that they're out there talking about uh, women's reproductive rights and the threat of a national abortion ban, the more that, that there are states that put up uh, these statewide abortion bans, uh, the more there becomes a glide path uh, for reelection uh, on those terms you know, the fight to protect and preserve our democracy. These are things that are resonating with voters. And just look to this past Tuesday. There are a lot of disappointed uh, Republicans right now. And I'm also hearing on Capitol Hill, you know, that there are sources that are saying, you know, to uh, Republicans that are running for Congress, you know, that they should run against a national abortion ban. How is that for a turn of events? Run against it as opposed to, to run saying we're going to deliver an abortion ban Because it's become a radioactive issue for Republicans.
0: Mm. Um, One other thing, I'm moving so fast trying to cover as much ground with you as I can in the few minutes I have left. Um, Since we're talking to a a sizable African-American audience um, across the country, um, is it just me or is the last black guy running? So Will Hurd is gone on the GOP side. Larry Elder is gone on the GOP side. Uh, And then there's Tim Scott. Is it just me, or is he really? Fade, pardon the pun. Is he fading to black? I mean, in these debates, you know, I mean, at one point he was he was raising money, um, he was polling well, and it just seems to me over the last few weeks uh, he's just sort of f- f- fading to black. Is just is that just my reader? You seeing the same thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, but it was an, it was an inevitable fade to black. Uh, you know, it was always going to be an uphill battle for Tim Scott uh, to win the GOP nomination for president. Uh, this is a different GOP. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's important to note, you know, that he is just so out of alignment with with who they are and where they're going. I'll give you an example. Last night uh, during the debate, you know, he reminded folks that he supported a 15-week national ban. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? In Virginia, Governor Glenn Youngkin campaign saying that if Virginians delivered the state legislature to Republican power you know that he would sign a bill uh, making a 15 week abortion ban of uh, the law of Virginia well Virginia voters rejected that and apparently uh Senator Scott didn't get the message because he went out on the debate stage you know and as a champion of that and so I think he's out of the mainstream of uh, our body politic as a country, and he's certainly out of the mainstream in terms of uh, this Republican Party. And, uh, you know, again, you know, uh, I think it's only a matter of time until he exits stage left. Uh,
0: Let me let me uh, jump um, uh, way across the water here um, to the Middle East specifically. Um, Israel has agreed, we are told um, today, uh, they've agreed to these four hour pauses uh, in Gaza military operations days ago um bb netanyahu the prime minister of israel he's essentially not essentially did in fact give anthony blinken our secretary of state he gave him the heisman he just said you know back up I gave him the heisman and never mind all the checks that we're writing the israel right about now he declared they were not going to pause um blinken obviously has continued to press biden has continued, has continued to press and now we're told that they're going to have these Four hour pauses at different intervals to allow for the evacuation of civilians from the conflict zone. Uh, we are told that that will begin today uh, in Gaza, and there'll be an announcement made three hours beforehand. Three hours before they are going to take a four hour pause. Now, this would be laughable if it weren't, you know, if this weren't, you know, uh, it weren't uh, a war zone. I'd be laughable if this weren't, obviously, an international story. But how do you read the fact that they're gonna, in the middle of a war, bombing and and and, and killing folk, pause every nine in for four hours? Hold up, we're gonna take a four-hour break, and we're gonna resume. And then they tell you uh, in three hours we're gonna start this four-hour break. I mean, it just, it it just it anyway. Your thoughts, Nicole?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to your point, David, how do you operationalize a commitment like that? Yeah, right? just, and so. Uh, and, and, and will there be an independent monitor? Will the U.N., for example, have an opportunity to come in and monitor, you know, and make sure that this commitment is fulfilled? It seems like an uphill battle to be able to do that, to operationalize that. But, uh, Tavis, I don't want to miss the opportunity to give a shout out to a lot of the activists out there, a lot of the organizers out there that have been putting pressure on the administration uh, to push uh, uh, Israel uh, to uh, for a bilateral ceasefire for an immediate de escalation, including the return of all hostages held by Hamas, securing the entry of humanitarian assistance for Palestinians, and committing to a peace process and no war in the Middle East. Now, that latter, uh, we're not there yet. We're not mm-hmm. even close. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I know just recently, uh, black Christian faith leaders you know, took out a full page ad in the New York Times, a yep. coalition of black churches, more than 350 prominent black clergy leaders, sent by in the very clear message, cease fire now. It wasn't just the black clergy members, Tavis, it was also congressional staffers who just yesterday, around lunchtime, hosted a noontime vigil on the steps of the Capitol, calling attention to the fact that their bosses, you know, were not in alignment with the phone calls that they were getting from constituents urging them a call for a ceasefire, urging for them, you know, to provide humanitarian assistance to the innocent Palestinians. Right. And so the position was becoming untenable for president Biden and the administration. And uh, I think they've been working very hard, you know, uh, behind the scenes to put pressure, you know, on, on Israel and some of the other uh, influential Uh, uh, folks in the region, you know, to start somewhere. And so hopefully this four-hour pause is not the end, but it's the start to an even longer pause.
0: Um, If you have not seen this full-page ad in in the uh, New York Times um, that Nick Cordelai just mentions, you should. Um, You'll be fascinated just to see the names of these over 350 uh, uh, clergy, black clergy from all across the country. Uh, The headline reads, Black Christian Faith Leaders for Ceasefire. Uh, and I was just um, uh, was fascinated last night to read the names of these uh, personalities, uh, many of them you know, uh, many of whom you know, uh, who've uh, affixed their signature on this full page in the New York Times. So the pressure uh, for a ceasefire is growing. Uh, as yet, the State Department is still telling persons not to use the word ceasefire. Uh, not to use the phrase or the word de-escalation. I'm troubled by that, Uh, but the pressure is starting to build, and Dr. Corte, as usual, puts his finger right on it. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, D. Corte, we'll do it again somewhere down the road. Thank you for uh, the conversation. Have a great rest of the day.
1: Always. You too.